is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Wednesday, June 30th. Last freaking day of June, man. It's about to be on. It's about to be July. Fantasy football draft season essentially upon us here. Uh, And today, of course, we're going to preview the Los Angeles Chargers to get you all set up here for fantasy football draft season. Before I dive into Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, the wideouts, no Hunter Hendry. But before I dive into that, let me just remind you, we do have a contest going on right now. It's really easy to enter. All you have to do is review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Rate the podcast, and in your review, leave your Twitter handle, and you are entered in to win a Rant t-shirt. Free t-shirt. I mean, I know it's not a ton, but it's going to take you all 15 seconds to do this, so that's the least I could do for you. We will pick a winner here, I guess I'll say next month, but next month is technically tomorrow, uh, but it'll be a little bit later in July, so you still have some time to get that in. Definitely appreciate everybody who has already reviewed the show, though. It uh, means more than you realize, more than you know. So appreciate you, appreciate you. All right, so let's dive into the Los Angeles Chargers. And, of course, we'll, we'll take it right from the top here. Justin Herbert coming off of a really impressive rookie season where he surprised many. He surprised many. Of course, it, it was a weird start to you know his NFL career with the circumstances around Terod Taylor, the lung puncture, and then Terod Taylor ultimately losing his job. But his days were numbered anyway. You don't draft a quarterback that high and just sit on him for the whole year. It just doesn't happen in today's NFL, and it really doesn't happen in the NFL. You know, going back many years, we just don't see that quarterbacks drafted that high tend to get on the field very quickly. But we didn't expect him to get on the field and do what he did. Herbert showed poise. He showed the ability to push the ball downfield. He showed the ability to occasionally move the chains with his legs, which is an aspect to his game that I didn't quite expect to see. He is a very, very complete player. Now, he did look like a rookie a couple times last year, and that's fine because, you know what, he was a rookie. But in year two, I do expect him to take another step forward. And that's scary when you think about it in a good way. If he takes another step forward... This guy is a legit top 10, and and legit top 10 annually. What I like about Herbert, as I mentioned, he has the ability to move the chains with his legs. He's not going to be a 600-yard rusher, but he's also not going to be a sub-100-yard rusher. Right now, projecting him out at 240 rushing yards and a very important four rushing touchdowns. Those are a lot of extra fantasy points, especially when you look at the passing yardage numbers. 4,450 yards, 30 touchdowns. Those are some sexy numbers right there. Now, here's the problem, though. Justin Herbert is sexy for fantasy. So that means if you think you're going to get him out of value, ain't going to happen. Not this year. He is definitely one of those guys who he's not going to be way overdrafted. If he's overdrafted, it's only by a tad. But he's going to go at value or slightly ahead of value. Now, for me, with a top 10 guy, I don't want to take them at value. I actually want to get two rounds of value on them if I can. That's not happening with Justin Herbert. It might happen with somebody else. Maybe it happens with, like, Russell Wilson or somebody like that in the top 10. But it's not happening with Justin Herbert this year. So in a one-quarterback league, he's not a guy who I'm going to be targeting because he's just going to go a little bit too early for me. It's not a knock on him at all. It's just a simple roster construction uh, mindset from yours truly. 
but I love him. And I think he's got a great future ahead of him after what we saw last year. Uh, hey, it's the changing of the guard, man. The NFL, we were, you know, how long did we have that last generation? We had that last generation of quarterbacks for 20 years. The Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, still got Brady. Phillip Rivers, even to a lesser extent, some of the guys at the tail end of that, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Aaron Rodgers, to a, you know, to some extent, is part of that generation. Well, changing of the guards happening, and Herbert is going to be a big part of that. And, you know, it really helps when you have a guy like Keenan Allen on your roster. We know Keenan Allen's not going to be a player who, you know, breaks off 70-yard touchdown receptions, things like that. That's not Keenan Allen. But he is a player who is every single year a threat for triple-digit catches. Every single year. You know, that's that's just Allen at this point. I mean, look what he's done in the last four seasons. 102 catches, 97 catches, 104 catches, 100 catches. And last year, that was 100 catches in 14 games, and let's call it 13 and not even a half, because you remember if you had Keenan Allen on your roster that game where he played in the very beginning, and that was it. So this year, projecting him out, 99 catches, 1,037 yards, 8 touchdowns. I know it sounds a little conservative, but that is good enough in a PPR for top 10. Keenan Allen gives you that beautiful high floor, not necessarily the highest ceiling, but sometimes, you know, in that PPR, you get that high floor guy, you just don't even have to worry. It's a set and forget type of player. And you don't have to spend a premium on him. You'll very likely see him floating around in the third round this year. I'm okay with that. I'm more than okay with that with Keenan Allen. Now, I would say this, though, because I know I'm not catering to the dynasty crowd a lot with these previews. Here's the thing about Keenan Allen. He is 29 years old, and I have what I call the dynasty criteria, which is when I want to trade a player away at wide receiver or running back. My criteria point for age for wide receivers is 29. For years in the league, it's actually eight. So he already has played eight years in the league. Technically, he was injured for one of those years, basically the entire year in 2016. But he's been in the league for eight years. If I'm in a dynasty league, I'm actually looking to trade him away. It's not a knock on Keenan Allen. I just want to return on my investment there and try to get younger at the position. So I would say that if you have Keenan Allen. We also have to talk about the rest of the wideouts here, though, and of course the running backs and tight ends. But why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break, then we'll talk some Mike Williams and maybe, just maybe, a very intriguing rookie. Oh, I like this kid right here in uh, one Josh Palmer. That's after the break. So Mike Williams last year, in a year where seemingly nothing could go wrong for Justin Herbert, Mike Williams was the only receiver who couldn't get on the same page with him. And I don't know if this is a Mike Williams thing or or what, but it feels like Mike Williams has always been a bit of a tease in some way, shape, or form, and a guy who can't really put it all together, for fantasy purposes at least. Now, he's still relatively young, 27 years old, but only fifth year in the league. And we've seen some upside out of him. Remember, in 2018, he had 10 touchdowns on only 43 catches. He only had two the following year, but he went up over 1,000 yards. Now, last year was a little bit of a flat campaign, 48 receptions, 756, and five touchdowns. I don't really expect much more than that. I expect, you know, 
a slight uptick in catches. I am at 51. A slight uptick in yardage, just under 800. One more touchdown at six. That's good enough for top 50. I don't, you know, it's not good enough to really prioritize him, but I'm not going to shy away from Mike Williams if you can get him at a reasonable value because of how uh, sexy this offense ultimately is. And as I mentioned, you know, they do have a really intriguing rookie in Josh Palmer, who I don't think we can take much from his college numbers for sure because of the lackluster quarterback play he had at Tennessee. Very athletic, a kid who can get downfield. Well, what we know is Justin Herbert does like that type of player because we saw at various points last year it was either Jalen Guyton or Tyron Johnson were making plays downfield. It felt like every stinking week, right? There was somebody who was going to make a, a big play downfield, 40, 50-yard reception, maybe 40, 50-yard touchdown. Well, there is the possibility that Josh Palmer ultimately takes over that role. I do think it's either Guyton or Johnson out of the gate, but keep your eye on Palmer. Love him for dynasty purposes. I mentioned at the top of the show that, you know, there's no Hunter Henry. And yes, I know that's how you pronounce his last name. Some people still don't get that joke. Anyway, I'm not explaining it today. We'll explain it in the New England episode, all right? But anyway, they did bring in veteran Jared Cook. They have everybody's favorite sleeper, Donald Parham. I chuckle because it's not, I don't think it's going to happen. Donald Parham's a monster of a human being. But they brought in Jared Cook for a reason. Now, Jared Cook is up there in age. I don't expect him to do a whole lot here. He's basically a 3-for-32 guy for me. 45 catches, 500 receiving yards, 4 touchdowns. It's good enough for top 20, but let's be clear. It's Jared Cook. We know what Jared Cook is, especially at this point in his career. He doesn't offer us much juice at all. Sure, he may have a game where he has two receiving touchdowns, but are we that excited about Jared Cook? I'd much rather go in other directions if I'm going to draft a tight end in this range. You know, he's draftable, but let somebody else draft him is basically my mindset with uh, with Cook. So let's talk about the backfield. So we do have Austin Eckler, obviously, in his backfield. And Eckler, there's a lot to like about Austin Eckler. His ability as a receiver, so sexy for fantasy purposes. This is a guy who has a 90-plus catch season under his belt. Remember, he did that in 2019 when he had 92 catches. Now, he's also a player who has never had more than 132 carries in a given season. Last year, he he would have topped that number, but remember, he missed time. He had 116 in 10 games. So he's averaging almost 12 carries per game there. Is that a max for him? Absolutely. I don't see him getting you know, getting in that range this year. I, I have him actually right at 10 carries per game. 12 carries a little bit much, but that's the challenge with Austin Eckler. He's not going to have a lot of volume in the run game, but he is going to be one of the highest volume backs in terms of targets in the league. So you do at least still have that appeal there. There's maybe a little bit more volatility. You don't have quite as high of a floor with Eckler, but I'm okay with that, given that his ceiling is so high. So right now, projecting, like I said, 170 carries, 792, and just four rushing touchdowns. I know that feels light, but that would still be a career high. Look it up. So where he really helps us out, though, is in the passing game. 88 targets, 72 catches, 
554. That's those are big numbers right there. And then an additional three receiving touchdowns. He did have eight receiving touchdowns in 2019, but that was, you know, like I said, that was a little bit of an outlier year. Regardless, it, it's healthy enough there in a PPR that he is a top 10 option in projections. Have him I bump him down just slightly because of my concern of the floor. But I wouldn't talk you out of drafting him as a, as a top 12 guy. At the latest, 14 would probably be as, as far as I would go on him. In half-point PPR, I don't really move him down that much. But obviously, if you're in a non-PPR, you you do have to be concerned because that catch volume is is obviously very appealing, but he's just not touching the ball enough overall to be a top 12 option there. Now, they do have a little bit of a log jam behind them. They have Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly, who neither one really impressed last year. And remember, it was Kalen Balazs getting the work down the stretch. They also draft Larry Roundtree, who I think is a really interesting player out of Mizzou. And there is a chance that Larry Roundtree slides into that I would call it not necessarily a handcuff role, but a number two role because they do need guy. They need somebody to to take some of that work in early downs. It's not going to be Eckler, as I said, 170 carries. Okay, well, you still have plenty of carries. If I'm projecting this team at 430 carries overall, you got plenty of carries to go around. So there is the outside chance, and we've seen this in the past with with the Chargers that that second running back has a little bit of uh, independent value other than just being a handcuff. So we'll keep an eye on it. Right now I have Jackson as the guy, then Kelly, then Roundtree, but it could easily be Roundtree. All right, that's going to wrap it up here for the Chargers. Of course, next on the list, the Los Angeles Rams. I know everybody's excited about Cam Akers. Matty Stafford, baby. That's an interesting one right there. So we will do the Los Angeles Rams for you on the podcast tomorrow. Remember, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you are a listener of this podcast. SawdustPods.com. Go check it out for some merch. All right, tomorrow we'll be back. Talk some Rams. I'll catch you on the flip side. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.